Okay. A couple of, uh, actually, it's about a month ago, a little over a month, a month, and, a month and a half ago, um, I was watching, I, I was watching, I heard about a guy who broke the record for lifting the most weight. So I looked it up on YouTube, and there's this big man, I mean, big hoss of a guy. And he, uh, he broke the record. This man, I couldn't believe it, this man lifted 1,200 pounds. I mean, I saw this guy, he's just concentrating, and he just bends over, and you see the weights, and it's massive, and he picks it up, the bar just bends, and he just screaming, and he picks it up. And I'm looking, and I'm just like, are you serious? I mean, that's more than half a ton. If I was ever on a trip, I want to take him, because if I had a flat tire, I don't need a jack. Then pick up the back end of the car. But I saw that, I just couldn't believe it. I had to quickly, pan. you gotta see this. This is unbelievable. I've never seen anybody pick that much weight up. I looked at that and I thought, if I tried that, man, you, I, that's it, I'm done. You call 911 and leave me in the hospital, because there's just no way. That was just amazing. And you could hear the cheering. People just cheering, and he just drops it, and the whole floor bounces when he dropped that thing. But I've never seen anybody push so much weight, 1,200 pounds. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, I look at that, and it was overwhelming. I mean, I was in awe. 1,200 pounds. It's overwhelming. But what's, what really got my attention is that God shows forth his power every day. God showed forth his power at the beginning of time. And we read it and we're not moved. We read Genesis chapter 1. God created the heavens and the earth and we're okay. We don't even get an amen out of that. But I see this guy pick up 1,200 pounds and it's like, wow. Isn't it amazing? I mean, God really got a hold of my heart that day and I thought, wow. I am stunned by a man picking up 1,200 pounds. And that, I mean, that is big. But our God said, be. And the entire universe came into being. And we just say, okay. When in reality, we should be on our faces and say, wow. Whoa. Absolutely stunning. So what I want to do is I want to take time today and next week to talk about the omnipotence of God, God's awesome power. And my prayer is that it stuns us afresh and that we are overwhelmed by it and that we apply it. Because I think too often we look at God's omnipotence, but we think, okay, he's got all this power, but okay, so what? And it's actually a very practical attribute, and we need to understand that. And that's what I hope that we can do, that we apply God's omnipotence in life. But before we get to talk about God's power, we need to understand how we see God's attributes. You'll hear them called attributes. You'll hear them called perfections. You know, the, the omnipotence, the uh, omnipresence, the immutability, all of those different attributes. There are an infinite number of attributes speaking of God. But how are we to see these attributes, these perfections? Because when we think of God and all his attributes, we must be careful how we consider this. And the reason being is that there are too many people who look at God as being made up of different attributes, different attributes, which is true, he does. He has many different attributes. But at the same time, thinking of God having many attributes can be very dangerous if we don't think about it properly. What I mean is that too often we think of God as being complex and having many parts. Right? 
For example, some may think that God is, well, he's 10% holiness and he's 7% omnipotence and he's 15% love and on and on and on it goes with all these attributes. In fact, the majority of people who claim to believe God think of God in these terms. He is evenly divided amongst his attributes. I remember driving to church about uh, two or three months ago and on the telephone posts, I see these different, I don't know, there's about 10 of them. This one sign that says, God's main ingredient is love. Everywhere, God's main ingredient. I wanted to stop and rip them down. I was angry. God does not have a main ingredient. Oh, I was so angry. Because it is belittling to God. I know somebody, without knowing, probably think they're doing a great thing. But we need to understand that when we think of God and, and, and we start dividing him that way, we divide the very essence of God. And not only is that dangerous, but it could pit one attribute against another. For example, let's say somebody did something that deserved God's judgment. Well, if God is made up of parts, well, what about his attribute of love? Maybe his attribute of love will confront his attribute of justice. Now what do you do? Now there's conflict in God. Right? God is not made up of parts. See, the problem is that too often we say that God has all knowledge. God has all power or he has all love. And in a sense, that is correct. But it can also be very dangerous because of our thinking. It would be much more accurate to say that God is love, that God is power, that God is knowledge and on and on and on. God is, is these things. He doesn't just possess it. That's what he is, if that makes sense. This protects the unity of God's essence. Because see, God in his essence is one. He's not made up of parts. God in his essence is one. It is what theologians call the simplicity of God. Sometimes people get offended with that word. God is not simple. Simplicity of God means that God is not made up of parts. You and I... We're made up of parts, hands, feet, legs, arms, face, eyes. All. We have all these different parts. God does not have any parts. He's one in his essence. It's important we understand that. God is not composite. God is not composite. He is entirely simple. And so basically what this means is that God is his attributes. Okay? God is his attributes. So instead of division, instead of parts, there's absolute unity. God is one essence. He doesn't have different members. He is one singular perfection. So whenever we think of God's attributes or his perfections or his qualities, whatever you call, want to call them, we must think of them in those terms that God is that. God is just. God is wrath. God is love. God is mercy. So yes, he has those, but he is that. That's who he is. He is his attributes. That's his perfection. And so not having any parts makes God very unique. He has no composer, nobody, no power. Nothing exists that put God together. We, we've been put together, but not God. He is one perfect unity. And so the world has many parts. Okay? This universe has many parts. It's been composed. God put it together. 
but not true of God. God is life in and himself, and he remains indivisible, and therefore he is constantly reliable. Just like what James said in James 1.17, speaking of God, he said, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. We don't have variations of God. We, don't, we, we cannot talk about God saying, well, this part of God. And I've heard that from Christians. I love to talk about the love part of God. I don't like to talk about His wrath part. That's wrong terminology. God does not have parts. God is wrath, just like He is love, just like He is power, just like He is knowledge. He is all of this. And so I say all of this to say that God in His attributes is one essence. So the point being is that God doesn't just simply possess His attributes. He is His attributes. God is 100% love. God is 100% just. God is 100% wrath. God is 100% omnipotent. God is 100% omniscient. And on and on and on. He's 100% total in all of these. And when God functions in our lives, all of these function together. Okay, when God functions in our life, He's functioning in the fullness of His omniscience, in the fullness of His love, in the fullness of His power and strength, in the fullness of His compassion. God functions all together. He doesn't work based on one attribute or the other. They all work together as one. Now, that's hard for us to understand because we have nothing to compare to, but that is our God. He is a mystery, but that's why He deserves our praise because He's so awesome. And so, yes, God is one perfect union, one in essence. So with this in mind, I want to take time to talk about God's omnipotence, God's all power, because God not only possesses all power, He is power. He is power. So that means that God is never without power. In everything he does, his power is involved because that is his very essence. See, we like to think of God as being love and he functions in love and everything he does is out of love. And it's true because love is his essence. But so are all his other attributes. That's how we have to think of God. That's why, it, yes, it, 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 it's hard because it's so way beyond our minds. But that's who our God is. Right? He's not parts. So we don't talk about God as being a part. Omnipotence is not a part of God. It's who God is. And so God's power and His essence are one and the same. And it's true only of God. Every other power in this world comes from Him. Everything else is reliant upon Him. God relies on no one. God relies on nothing. God alone is power. All other power comes from Him. And so as we discuss God's power, keep in mind that God is power. It helps us to understand how He works in our lives. If God is power and we need help, we go to the one who is power. Not just the one who has power, but the one who is power, who, because He is power, can do anything. So that's how I want us to approach this. So yes, He possesses all power, but that's because He is power and He can do anything. And God can do without effort whatever He wills at any time, in any place He chooses to exercise His power. There's no hindrance. None can thwart God, right? 
There's nothing in heaven or on earth that is comparable to the power of God because God is power. God's power has no limits. In fact, the Hebrew name of God, you may have heard it, El Shaddai. El means God, Shaddai means all power. So you could say El Shaddai means God omnipotent, God almighty. That's his name, Hebrew name. So he's the almighty God, all strength and awesome power is who he is. What that means then is that all the power that belongs to, um, for example, that belongs to Satan, all the power that belongs to the nations, all the power that belongs to men, all the power that belongs to weather when you see hurricanes and tornadoes, all of that power is merely a designated power. It all comes from the one who is power. He and he alone is power. So all the power we see on earth is a delegated power. Even people who are in office, who like to wield their power. That power is from God. That authority comes from Him. God alone is power. There is no other who is power. When you see the weather, especially here in Florida, when you see these hurricanes, you see these devastating winds, you look at that power, and it's like, wow, understand, that comes from God. That comes from God. And it's just a little inkling of the omnipotence that belongs to God. And that's why the vast multitude in heaven, in Revelation chapter 19, verse 6, cry out, they say, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, the Omnipotent, reigns. See, they see that God is power. And what do they do? They break out and praise. Hallelujah, for the Lord God, the Omnipotent, the Almighty, He reigns. And so when we consider God's omnipotence, that should be our, that's the response of heaven. That should be our response. When we think that God is omnipotent and his, He is powerful, we should be awed. And that's where I felt conviction when I saw that man when he picked up 1,200 pounds. I mean, I was awed. I wish I could do that. 1,200 pounds. But what is 1,200 pounds compared to the universe? And yet we're not awed. Man, I felt bad. I mean, I was surprised. I was like, wow, totally. But then when I thought about it, I even had to tell my wife. I said, I really feel bad. That I could be odd over what a puny, tiny little man, well, puny, tiny compared to God, big to me, but what he can do. Even if you doubled that, let's say he could pick up an entire ton. So what? I mean, yeah, that's awesome. But where does that come from? From the God who holds all things together by his awesome power because he is power. Isaiah said of God's awesome power, and I love this, in Isaiah 40, verses 15 through 17. He said, The nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Behold, he lifts up the islands like fine dust. Even Lebanon is not enough to burn, nor its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are regarded by him as less than nothing and meaningless. Think about what he is saying here. Amazing. You look at all the nations of the world including our country, put them all together, and Isaiah says they're like a drop in a bucket. Then he says, no, 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 they're nothing. No, 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 they're less than nothing. So all the nations need to come up a step to be nothing compared to the power of God. That's the awesome power of our great God. See, the problem is that when it comes to considering the limitless power of God, we are hampered by the fact that everything Everything in our field of experience has limits, right? Everything we look at, everything we see has limits. The most powerful thing we know 
has limits to its power. And that's basic reality. Even when you're impressed with the power of something, you're impressed with it because it has pushed the boundaries of expected limits. That's why I was impressed with the guy who picked up 1,200 pounds. It went beyond the limits that I could ever imagine anybody could do. And it was impressive. But yet, even that power has limits. You know, I look at that man picking up 1,200 pounds. He didn't just have, he wasn't born with that power. He trained his entire life to do that. God doesn't train. God says, be, and it is. See, there are, there are no limits with God's power. But every other form of power we see, even when we look at, you know, we talk about nuclear bombs and how powerful they are, even those have limits. All power has limits except God's power. So on the human side, all power is limited. No person on the face of this earth has the power to do anything he or she wants to do. They just don't. But God is utterly unique. He is power. Therefore, there are no limits and no comparisons can be made. So to say that God is omnipotent is to say that God is God. Right? He is God. That's the reason why we have the question in Isaiah and in the Psalms. Who is a God like our God? There is none. Because God alone is power. There are two things that we have to be aware of when considering God's power. And I think these are uh, areas in which we many times fall into. First, we often don't take the time to unpack what we say we believe. So we're therefore unmoved by these things. We claim that God is omnipotent. But many times we don't take the time to meditate and think and unpack what the ramifications and what all of that means. And so we could talk about Genesis 1 in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth and say, okay, I've heard it so often, it doesn't move us. And we need to take the time to stop and think, what are the implications of that? I mean, there was literally nothing. Space was not even there. Nothing existed. And then he said, B, space. Planets, stars. Absolutely amazing. The implications. Next time you go, next time you, you see dust, go like that with your finger and say, see that to God, that's Hawaii. <laughs> I mean, that, the implications of God's power are absolutely stunning. But we don't take the time to unpack that. So that's the first thing you need to be aware of. Second, the amazing truths like the omnipotence, omnipotence of God become familiar items because we heard it before, and as a result, they fail to move us as they once did. I remember one time I was at a Bible conference, and the speaker got up, and he read, beginning in Genesis chapter 1. He read the first verse, second verse, and he read, and he read all the way through that chapter. Many of us were looking around. Then he stopped. He says, I imagine that many of you are probably surprised that I took the time to read through the entire chapter because you all know it. And he said, that's the problem. Not one of you were moved by the fact that God moved with omnipotent power because we've heard it so often. See, that's the danger of being familiar with something and not taking the time to really let it, let it sink in. I mean, God is power without limit. That should be shocking. 
That should be stunning. That should be overwhelming. Should leave us speechless. Should leave us like they do in heaven. Hallelujah! The Lord Almighty reigns. That should be our response. Not like, okay, get on, let's go, let's hear what you have to say. I'll never forget that. That was many years ago. I was in Bible college when it happened, and I thought, wow, he's so tr- it's, it's so true. Paul Tripp states, and I, I, I love this, and uh, this was convicting to me. He said, our lives are shaped and directed by what has us in awe. Since we have been hardwired for awe, something will always capture the awe capacity of our hearts. And what has captured our hearts functionally has control over us. In other words, what awes you controls you. God created us with that awe factor. Why? Because he wants us to be in awe of who he is. So we all have that. There's something that awes us. And that which awes you impresses you and controls you. And too often, rather than being awed at the power of God, we're awed by, like for me, I was awed by this guy who probably doesn't even know who the Lord is, just some big hoss picking up this bar with all this weight. I'm thinking, wow. And so what do I want to do? I want to start working out and trying to do that myself. There's no way I can ever do that. But I was, it was amazing. It was amazing. And I felt so convicted. We need to be awed by God. We need to be awed by God. Every time we step out the door to go outside and look out, we need to look up and say, wow. We look at those trees and we say, wow. But it's so familiar that it doesn't convict us. See, God's omnipotence does not awe us as it should because we're awed by other things. And so my prayer, and the reason why I wanted to go through this is because I was convicted by God. Uh, The reason why I want to go through this is that... We would be awed by something we claim that we believe. Everybody in here, I'm assuming, and I believe, that everybody in here would claim that God is omnipotent. But even when we say it, I look at the expressions and nobody's moved by it. Nobody says amen and nobody says, okay, big deal. And my prayer, and I, I cried out to God, Lord, change us. Change us so that when we see things out in this world, and we see your power, your are moving. May we fall on our faces like they do in heaven and declare, Hallelujah! God Almighty reigns. Because in the world in which we live, with all of this darkness, with the shootings that are going on, everything that's going on, more than ever, we need to be awed by God's power. Because there's a way too much darkness, and too many Christians are feeling it. I see it from believers. They talk to me and ask me these questions at work in different areas. How do you deal with this? What do you do with this? Where's God in all of this? You know what our answer is? Hallelujah! God Almighty reigns! That's the answer. That's the answer to all the darkness, to all the shootings, to all the things that our politicians claim, do, and lying and cheating. Our God reigns in power. That's our answer. And that's what we need. We need to be awed by that. So that we're not taken down by the darkness and the heaviness. I hear it. I hear it from people. There's such a weight out in this world. And I say, yeah, I don't care how heavy it is. My God's power is greater than all that weight. And that's what we need. That's why I want to cover this. And pray that God would open our eyes to this. So let's look at what God's power is. 
Because God is power. First thing we see, because God is power, his power is inexhaustible power. Inexhaustible power. From everlasting to everlasting, his power is the same because God cannot change. It's inexhaustible. When you think of God, think of him this way. God is one eternal now. He's one eternal now. Because God doesn't have time limits. You can't say that God is a million years old or a billion years old. There are no such thing as years. With God, there's no such thing as minutes and seconds and hours and years. God created time so we can live in time. We need time, not God. So God is one eternal now. That's why he's the Alpha and the Omega. That's why he's at the beginning at the end at the same time. Again, hard for us to comprehend. But that's the mystery of God. And because he's one eternal now, he not only cannot change, his power never diminishes. It's inexhaustible. Okay, he doesn't go tired. He doesn't get old and experience the aches of being old like I do when I get up every morning. Inexhaustible. It's impossible for God to lose any power because if God was able to lose power, if he was to lose even just a tiny little fraction of power, he would cease to be God. And that's impossible for God. So God is and always will be omnipotent. He cannot change. And so when God exercises power, he does so effortlessly. He doesn't strive hard to get something done. When God exercises his power, he doesn't exert himself. He never breaks a sweat. In fact, as one one teacher said, it is no more difficult for him to create a universe than to make a butterfly. Right? That's God. A.W. Tozer wrote this. I love this. He said, since he has all command, all the power in the universe, the Lord God omnipotent can do anything as easily as anything else. All his acts are done without effort. He expends no energy that must be replenished. His self-sufficiency makes it unnecessary for him to look outside of himself for renewal of strength. All the power required to do all that he wills to do lies in undiminished fullness of his own infinite being. So God can do anything at any time, anytime he pleases, because he is all-powerful and he never loses power. And then we have the great Puritan, one of my favorites, Stephen Charnock. He wrote this uh, two-volume Attributes of God, amazing. But he says this about the omnipotence of God. The omnipotence of God is his ability and strength to bring to pass whatsoever he pleases. Our desires may be and are more extensive than our power, but with God, his counsel shall stand and he will do all his pleasure. Isaiah 46.10 You must in your conception of divine power enlarge it further than to think God can only do what he resolves to do. In other words, what he is saying is, we have to look at God's power as being even greater than what he's resolved to do. He, he, he resolved to create the heavens and the earth. He said, B, you need to understand God's power is greater even than that. So yes, he has the power to create everything and sustain everything, but his power is he goes further than that. And so he continues. He says, his power is such that he can do whatever he pleases without difficulty or resistance. He cannot be checked, restrained, or frustrated. How worthless his eternal counsels would be if his power could not execute them. His mercy would be a feeble pity if he were destitute of power to relieve. His justice a slighted scarecrow 
without power to punish. And his promises an empty sound without the strength to accomplish them. See, his power is inexhaustible. If it was not inexhaustible, then you and I are wasting our time here. Because God cannot fulfill his promises if he didn't have inexhaustible power. So we see because of God's power being inexhaustible, he never gets tired. It never diminishes. God never wrings his hands wondering, what am I going to do? I need a nap. I need to take a break. I'm tired. There's no such thing as fatigue with God. Isaiah 40, 28, 29. Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Psalm 102, verse 25 through 27. Of old you founded the earth. This is the psalmist speaking of God. Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. And all of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, and they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. Inexhaustible. God will never reach the end of his power. It's impossible. So God's power is inexhaustible power. Second, because, God's, uh, because God is power, his power is infinite power. Infinite power. There's no limit to God's power because in his essence, God is infinite. So if God is infinite, his power must be infinite. Right? There's no end to it. And because that is uh, uh, true, then God is able to do whatever he pleases. He alone possesses the power to create out of nothing. He alone has the power to uphold, sustain, and govern, and control, and direct all that he has made. Only he has that power. There is no other power to match it. It is infinite power. He's, that, that's who he is from beginning to end. And God never had a beginning, God never had an end, so therefore it is infinite. Never comes to that end. And the reason why is because he alone is power. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. Jeremiah 32, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power, by your outstretched arm. There is nothing too difficult for you. That's infinite power. Matthew 19, 26, Jesus said, With people this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Isaiah 46, 10, Declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient uh, times, things which have not been done, saying, My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. All of these verses talk and point to God's infinite power. Third, because God is power, His power is irresistible power. Irresistible power. In His essence, God is irresistible. He's unconquerable. He's um, invincible. This is true power. No one can resist him. It cannot be overcome. It cannot be turned back. Satan cannot thwart God's power. Impossible. The psalmist said, one of my favorite verses, Psalm 115, verse 3, I quote this often, Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Period. No one can change that. He does whatever he pleases because he has the power. It's irresistible. No one can thwart his purposes. Nothing can prevent him from doing all of his good pleasure. 
Job chapter 9, verse 12, Job says, Were he to snatch away, who could restrain him? Who could say to him, what are you doing? Can you imagine trying to tell God, wait, God, what are you doing? Job says, no one can do that. Job 42, 2, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. God will do what he said he's going to do because he has the power and no one can get in his way. Isaiah 14, 27. For the Lord of hosts has planned, and who can frustrate it? And as for his outstretched hand, who can turn it back? Again in Isaiah 43. Even from eternity, I am he, God speaking, I am he, and there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act, and who can reverse it? He's irresistible. No one can thwart God. Now many have tried. Many will shake a fist. Many will laugh and mock. But that's not, again, outside of God's purpose. They one day will see this omnipotent power of God and they will be on their faces in utter fear. God's power is irresistible. Next, because God has power, His power is incomprehensible. It's so infinite and vast that it can't be comprehended by, by man. We cannot put it in a box and say, this is God's power. It's so, everything that I say today about God's power and next week doesn't even scratch the surface of the reality of His uh, power. We cannot grasp His power, even though it's been displayed. God is able to do more than He actually does. Keep that in mind. Everything you've ever seen when you look out at creation and everything He's done in your life and everything you read about in history, all that He has done, the parting of the sea, the water from the rock, all of these things is absolute power. But even that power is just a small portion of God's awesome power. It's incomprehensible. Paul says in Ephesians 3.20, now to him is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. He's able to do far more than we could ever think. Let your imagination run sometime and think of the most, the, 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 the greatest power you can imagine. And God's power supersedes that. Matthew 3.9 And do not suppose that you consider yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For Jesus, Jesus said, For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. Have you ever thought about that? Just stand there in the midst of stones and think, God's power is so great, that stone right there could stand up and praise him right now if God wanted. I think about that and it's like, wow, that's just crazy. It's amazing. But he can. He can. Luke 19, verses 38 through 40. They were shouting, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. I love that. I mean, he's got the power to make stones shout. What? Have you ever seen a stone even move? I didn't even know stones had mouths. But he's got the power to make a stone shout his praises. That's power beyond our imagination. But there's another item about God's power we must understand. Because God is power. His power is self-consistent power. Self-consistent power. Despite his unlimited power, there are some things God cannot do. 
God will never act contrary to his own nature. For example, God cannot lie. God cannot be tempted to sin. God cannot deny himself. He can't do things that are self-contradictory. For example, he cannot make a square circle. He cannot make 1 plus 1 equal 10. It goes against who he is. And God cannot do what he has chosen not to do. Doesn't mean he doesn't have the power to, he just chose not to, right? There are, some, these are, there are some self-imposed limitations that God put upon himself. Think about it. Can God save every person on the face of this earth? Yeah, he can. But he chose not to. All right? He chose not to. So although he has the power to do so, he does not. He didn't choose all the nations in the Old Testament, did he? Instead, God chose only Israel. He did not choose Esau. He could have. He has the power to. But he didn't. Right? So he chose to show mercy on some while hardening others. And then, of course, there are those who argue about that and say, well, how can he still be a good God if he does those things? And I love what Paul said in Romans chapter 9. Who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will it? Or does not the potter have a right over the clay? So when we want to gripe and complain and say, God, why did you do this? Go back to chapter 9 of Romans and say, Who are you, O man, that you would question God? Can you imagine? Mm. And I know that such power can seem frightful for, for people. It's, it's, I've heard people say, That sounds scary. But we need to remember that God is good. Just as God is powerful, God is good. So there's no reason to be afraid. In fact, it's actually very reassuring. Because he has all power, he can do anything. And because he is good, he will do only that which is good. That gives me great comfort, especially in the world in which we live today. He can do anything according to his infinite ability, but he will only do those things that are consistent with himself. You ever hear people say, can God make a, a rock so big that not even he can pick it up? Well, that goes contrary to his nature, so no, he can't. No, he can't. Doesn't mean he can't do everything. He just doesn't do those things that are contrary to his nature. God, God's power is consistent with himself. It's actually a very uh, foolish statement, personally. I had a guy ask me that one time, and I looked at him and said, that's a dumb statement. That's how I answered him. That's just a dumb statement. And he said, why? I said, because it is. It's stupid. God can't do things that are contrary to who he is. Then he'd cease to be God. He's scratching his head. It's just... Sometimes, man, amazing. See, God cannot tolerate sin. That's why he gave his son. And isn't it interesting? God did not choose to spare his son. He gave his son. Now, he could have, but he chose not to. So he's consistent with his power. Right? So there are self-imposed limitations upon his divine power. But it doesn't mean that his power is limited. He just imposes his own limits, for his own purposes. In Titus chapter 1, verse 2, we read, In the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ago. Hebrews 6.18, So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. And I love 2 Timothy 2.13. Paul says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Right? 
And then in James 1.13, we read, Let no one say when I am tempted that I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. So note, there are limitations to God's power. There's self-imposed limitations. Those that go contrary to his very nature. So then, because God is power, his power is inexhaustible power. His power is infinite power. His power is irresistible power. It's incomprehensible power. And it's self-consistent power. And we could keep going on and on and on, but I knew I had to bring an end to it somehow, or we'd be doing this for years. Right? Now, I want to start this week and finish next week, but I want to talk about the expression of God's power. In other words, how did God express itself? And of course, we could go through an infinite number of ways where God has expressed his power. But for the sake of this class, I want to look at two ways that God has displayed his power. Two ways. The first one is in creation. Okay? If you want to look at God's omnipotent power, look at creation. In Genesis 1, we read that God speaks to various elements of our world into existence. We read, let there be light, and what happened? Think about that. Just stop right there and think about that. And by the way, he made that statement before the sun. There was light before the sun was created. So, there was no light. And God said, be! Have you ever thought about that? What would that be like? Go into a very dark, dark, dark room where you can't even see your hand. And then just flip the switch of the light. And, just, and that's what God did. Be! Have you ever thought about that? I mean, we read through, God said, let there be light, and there was light, and then we move on, like, no big deal. That's awesome. I mean, there was no light, and then there was light. Where did it come from? I don't know. It just says it was. It existed before the sun. In our minds, that doesn't make sense. And scientists try to explain it. You're not going to explain God's omnipotent power. It just is. He said there was light. Or he said, let there be light, and there was light. That's what he did. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. God is not dependent on the sun for light. All right? God provides the light. Exactly right. Amazing. God, God then said, let the earth sprout vegetation. And it was so. B. And there goes an apple tree. Mango tree. I love mango. Mango tree. Avocado tree. And all the other trees. B. And there it was. He just spoke it. And it existed. Let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures. I was reading a, a, a book on this. They said there are millions of different creatures that live in our oceans and seas. And God said, be! And there they all are. Can you imagine? Nothing, and all of a sudden you see a big whale. Out of nowhere. That's what happened. And we should be shocked and stunned. And say, Wow! Who cares that some guy could pick up 1,200 pounds? My God said, be, and there's this big old blue whale out of nowhere just blowing out water. And then all the plankton that it eats and everything else. That's overwhelming. Meditate on that. Let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. Again, this is absolutely stunning. And it should cause us to just be in awe. Every time you see a bird, realize God put that bird there by just saying be. And it was. We should be awed at that. 
It wasn't a magic trick. It was omnipotent power. It was God himself. Please do not allow these truths to sim be simply that, the truth, a truth that you have heard. You find it interesting that when you open up the Bible, the very first chapter is made up of what? God creating. Why did he do that? Because God wanted us to read that and say, whoa. So that when we read the rest of the Bible, it's with that awe in mind that, wow, the God who created everything out of nothing by simply speaking it. That's how we should see everything in Scripture. The very first two chapters are about God's omnipotent power in creation. It's not by coincidence, it's not by accident. God wants us to see this power and be awed by this power and say, Whoa, hallelujah, our God, the Almighty, He does reign. He does reign. It wasn't just flippant the way the scripture was given to us. So as we read the rest of scripture, keep this reality in mind. God is omnipotence. We see that from the very beginning. And of course, when you look at the, 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 at the very end, he does the same thing, doesn't he? Because at the very end, when you read the end of Revelation, what does he do? He gets rid of this creation, and there's a brand new heaven and earth. And how do you think he created that? Be! So I love, look at scripture. It begins with God creating omnipotent power, and it ends with God creating omnipotent power. Not that he created omnipotent power. I'm just saying it displaces omnipotent power. And in between, it's all God. Oh, how I pray that when we look at Scripture, our hearts will just be overwhelmed again and again and again because our God is omnipotent. That's who He is. Everything in between. In Psalm 33, verses 6 through 9, <clears throat> David says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of His... Uh, a mouth, all their hosts. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He uh, lays up the deeps in the storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. As a result of this, what does He say? Let all the earth be in awe. So let me ask you, are you in awe? Are you in awe of the fact that we live in a world that is created and held together by our mighty God? That's the call. Let all the earth be in, in awe. So God simply spoke. The heavens came to be. The heavens were made. Just this past week on Twitter, I follow a gentleman who posted this 30-second um, video of Saturn time-lapse moving. It was the most awesome thing. I'm looking at this and thinking, I showed my wife, I said, look at this, this is Saturn. And see all its moons moving in the, in the, uh, along with that ring, whatever they call that thing, and how it moved. It's beautiful. I told my wife, I said, that's awesome power. Incredible. And God said, be, and there it is. It just blew my mind. You know, the one who posted said, God is an artist, look at this art. And it's so true. It's absolutely beautiful. That's the sovereign power of our God. And remember, no one helped God create the world. 
Isaiah 44 says, I, the Lord, am the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens by myself and spreading out the earth all alone. In Romans 4, we learn that he willed creation in existence, calling it into being with that which did, did not exist. God did that. That's how he displayed his power. And so when we contemplate this power, please don't just think of it, okay, God created it all. Take some time to meditate and think on it. Because it should leave us in awe. It should overwhelm us. God's power is greater than anything He has ever created. So when you look at creation, you see how awesome the power is. God's power is greater even than that. And one day, when we get to heaven and glorified bodies, we will see it. And it will take all eternity for us to see the awesomeness of God's omnipotent power. That's why in heaven, it'll be all this praise. Because when we're there, every moment we're there, God reveals more of himself to us. And we will be awed. And we will be with countless billions of people shouting our praises. Because our God is omnipotent. And he's going to display that for us. What we see here, with all of this creation, is just a small fraction of God's omnipotence. So be awed. Be overwhelmed. Be stunned. Think about the creation of man. Took a speck of dust. That's it. And he breathed into it. And what do we get? A living, breathing, thinking, relating adult human being. Out of a speck of dust. Only omnipotence can do that. That's what we call the impossible and unthinkable made possible. Our God does that. And so this is, I believe, one of the highest evidences of God's power, the power to breathe life into what had no life. Man can't do that. Man has tried, but man cannot do that. So God created all this, but not only did he create it all. Uh, do I stop? Yeah, let's go. What God creates, he also sustains, maintains, and preserves. So when we look at creation, please understand his power is still ongoing. Right? Because he sustains everything. What causes those trees to be alive? God does. Why are you here right now? Because of God's power. Why do you live? Because of God's power. He holds all things together. I remember talking to an atheist one time, and he's trying to explain to me how all these things work and all this magnetic stuff and the molecules all moving. And he said, by all rights, everything should just fall apart, but they don't. And I said, that's, and he's talking about this. I said, wait a minute, you just made a statement. He just told me, by all rights, everything should be falling apart. Why don't they? And he says, well, it's the magnet. And he's trying to give me all this technical term. I said, you know what? That's all hogwash. You know why nothing falls apart? I'd like you to say, because my God holds it together. You could use all the excuses you want. He was trying to use all this terminology. I just said, listen, you can try to use and speak over my head as much as you want, but let me tell you something. We had a two-hour discussion on this. Let me tell you something. It is God who holds it together. The reason why you're here talking the way you do, thinking you know all things, is because God holds you together. If God was to leave you alone, you would fall apart. You didn't like that too much, but we, we went on. <laughs> the Greek word for uphold means to support. It means to maintain. And in Hebrews, when he talks about that God holds all things together, Hebrews 1.3, uh, it's in the present tense. So God maintains, he sustains, he holds all things together constantly. God never gets tired. He holds us together. What do you think would happen to this entire creation if God just let go? Yes, that's it. It's done. You know, people say, well, it would go into chaos. No, wouldn't it? It would just disappear. 
You know what's the reason why all of this exists? Is because God sustains it. If God let it go, it doesn't exist anymore. You and I wouldn't exist. That's God's omnipotence. Everything that moves, everything that exists, everything is by God's omnipotent power. Any questions on that? We'll pick up with that next week, but any questions on that? And we'll talk about the practicality of it. I know I do a lot of talking, I get caught up, it, and I can't help myself. I just I remember hearing a, a certain message many years ago about the verse in um, Philippians 4, 19, that God will supply all of the needs according to his riches and glory, not out of his riches, because they're never depleted right. according to infinite mm-hmm. riches. Exactly. It's a, it's a good a good point. It's always according to, never out of. Yeah, because it never diminishes. Yes. Next Richard. week you'll continue with this? Yes. Are you going to deal with God's self-existence, his deceity? I, I honestly, at one point, at one point, I was going to do the aseity first, and then this, and I thought I only have a couple of weeks; I can't get through it all. <laughs> so I, I really, aseity is very important, and I don't know if I'll be able to touch on that. Uh, but if if Bruce gives me a couple of weeks another time, I'll definitely because t- uh, it, it is important. That's a subject. Yes, it is. It is. In fact, even the supl- the simplicity of God that I just mentioned, that's condensed from a full lesson. It's just. When you're limited, you're trying to. And I really want to get on the omnipotence because God just convicted me big time that one time. And I just thought, i got to teach this out of my own heart. And so I apologize. Maybe one day in the future. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for who you are. As we've seen today, you are omnipotent. You are power. There's nothing that is beyond your power. There's nothing that can um, thwart your purposes. And so, Father, in the midst of all the darkness that we see in this world, in the midst of all of the evil that goes on, may our minds continually come back to you and focus on the fact that you are omnipotent. None of this is outside of your power. And we know that you work all things out for good because you are a good God. So I pray you would overwhelm us with your omnipotence, like in heaven, may we be those who declare from our hearts, not just with our lips, but from our hearts, that hallelujah for you, our God, the Almighty reigns. In this next hour as we go and gather to worship, may our hearts be filled with awe and joy. May we sing with, with great delight. And God, we pray for Bruce. As he preaches, God, I pray you would uh, empower him, encourage him, strengthen him, and may what he speaks penetrate our hearts. Give us understanding. Transform us, Lord. We ask that you do this work in Jesus' name. Amen. Hopefully I'll see you guys here tonight. I will be preaching tonight. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. It does. <laughs>